talking about nutrition and um, I'm very excited about our guest today. I, it is a topic that I love learning about and I think that is underappreciated and everyone, we just everyone, the more they know, um, the better they will be able to keep their bodies healthy. So before we get started, Dr. Jess, what is in your glass? So this morning I'm still working on my cup of coffee. So it's a low acidic, you know, organic bean with a little bit of half and half and um, that's about it. Kind of get me going for the day. Uh, Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? I have just plain old water. Got in late from a flight, la- flight last night, which is maybe why I can't talk. And uh, um, I would love coffee, but right now it's just water. Yeah. And with us, we have a guest. Her name is Erin. Um, so Erin, before you do your introductions, uh, what's in your glass? Yeah, so I am drinking. It's just boiled fresh ginger, which is rare. I usually am just like Bobby, a plain plain water kind of gal. Uh, but lately, I've been loving uh, some ginger tea for the gut health benefits. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so Erin, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so I'm a registered dietitian. Uh, I basically started my own private practice right out of my internship. And have a very strong passion for helping individuals get to the root cause of their digestive issues. I had horrible digestive issues since I was a kid and really felt like the medical system was not designed to really truly help me figure out what was going on and and how to feel better. And so long journey of, of how I became a dietitian. And now I take a very holistic approach to help individuals do the same. I love that. Um, I myself, I had C. diff when I was just had graduated from high school. And um, f- if people don't know, it's a, a bacterial infection that affects your gut. And uh, it's very serious. I was hospitalized for a while. Um, I went on to a lot of different antibiotics that didn't work. And then um, it was very close to having to do a full on fecal transplant. Um, before I worked with a physician that got me onto some um, just strong probiotics and got it cleared up. Uh, So it taught me from a young age of like, wow, um, sometimes we really need to look at things in a different light um, because all of these uh, medications that were approved didn't work. Uh, But research was done in Europe that showed probiotics could be used successfully to treat it. And so we tried that before the fecal transplant, mainly because I, I wanted to start um, college on time and a fecal transplant would have pushed me behind. Um, and so it just like, it changed my whole perspective on nutrition after that. Um, so I really value what you do. And um, I love that you're willing to share this knowledge with our listeners, uh, because I think there's just so much that we really misunderstand when it when it comes to nutrition. And I'm not a nutritionist by any means, um, but I value it a lot. Um, So when it comes to the, um, you know, gut connection, right? So like we've got a lot of talk about the gut brain connection. And Mm -hmm. I think that is something that's kind of hard for people to get, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, I've got my intestines and I've got my brain. So how does that actually work together? Right. Um, Can you shed some light on that? Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is actually an area that, that really, um, really got me interested in gut health because someone I struggled with mental health issues as well. 
and have a lot of family members. I lost my dad after his battle with mental illness. And when I learned about the gut brain connection, it was like, wow, I grew up having horrible digestive issues. I then struggled with mental health and then understanding the the connection between the two was really eye opening for me, but also very empowering from a mental health perspective. So the gut brain connection, we also call this the gut brain axis. So what this is, is it's a, it's a bi-directional communication system between our gastrointestinal tract and our central nervous system, which is essentially the brain. So we have this complex network of different neural, hormonal, and also immunological pathways that allow this frequent communication between the two. I like to describe it like a, a walkie-talkie type of system. And so we can talk about the physical connection where we have the vagus nerve. So this is a major nerve in the body, which serves as a major pathway, which physically connects the gut and the brain. It's the longest cranial nerve. And that you can kind of think of it like palming a basketball where, you know, you've got the the wrist where, where it's connecting from the brain and then it's basically touching down and touching all these different organs, including the gut. And then we also have the neurotransmitter and hormone perspective connection where the gut produces and responds to different neurotransmitters and hormones. So things like serotonin, dopamine, GABA, these are all neurotransmitters that can impact the gut brain connection. Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> I, I, I love it. I think this is, I mean, I'm telling you, like when I started learning about this, I was blown away. I just, I really had no idea. And like, you know, I feel like I went through like, and I was like, like getting an education and stuff like that. And like how I didn't know any of this was like mind blowing, you know, because yeah. it's, yeah. it's everything like mm -hmm. what we're putting into our body and how we're feeding our body directly affects not only like like, am I constipated? Right. But like mm -hmm. how our brain functions. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just think it's crazy. Like, yeah. like this needs to be known, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say, I know I've, I've talked about it before, but I, one time for five weeks, did like, um, basically whole 30, uh, diet where just like really clean eating took out anything inflammatory. And it was amazing. I don't think if I would have done that, I would have truly understood how important food can be mm -hmm. um, and how much it can affect us because it was amazing. It took away my headaches. My, I was having trouble sleeping. Um, it was just amazing. The amount of stuff in my body that was affected by that. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, I think Jess was talking about the specific bacteria in our gut and even those bacteria, they they do so many different things. They can even produce those neurotransmitters that I just referred to. Um, we have research that shows that changes in the composition of our gut microbiome can actually increase our risk for things like psychiatric disorders. Even we're now seeing a lot more research on Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, depression, anxiety, autism. And so the, the composition of what we have there, and then as Jess mentioned, there are certain pathogens and overgrowth and bacteria, viruses that can get into this environment and create a lot of issues for us. And so, you know, this is where stool testing can be really helpful. This is where working with, you know, a team of providers who's very knowledgeable on it 
you know, you were very lucky to be able to just use probiotics, which are incredibly effective for C. diff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's an incredible um, thing to learn about. I think it's become somewhat trendy in a, in a not great way on social media where people are kind of like, oh, bone broth, you know, collagen, colostrum, these are gut healing. But when we really get down to the science, you know, gut health is so much more than just taking a few supplements or probiotics. It's about really understanding an individual's microbiome and when those things might be appropriate, if at all. Right. No, I like a hundred percent get that. Like, so like another background story is our youngest son is diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And so, um, you know, one of the, I mean, obviously the therapies and stuff like that, you know, speech therapy, occupational therapy, ABA, all of that, I a hundred percent is helpful. Uh, but I went ahead before we could get in with a functional medicine doctor, went ahead and just did gluten feed, gluten-free, dairy-free diet just to get the inflammatory, um, markers down. And I mean, eye contact improved tremendously. I mean, wow. just with like dairy-free alone, eye contact was like, I mean, it, like, it was crazy. And so, and then we did the gut microbiome testing, obviously, you know, there's tons of inflammatory markers in there, high in yeast, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had all sorts of issues with uh, constipation. And so working with our provider to use the testing to mm-hmm. create a very specific plan for him with like getting him better regulated with his microbiome, um, we've definitely seen like significant improvements. And so mm-hmm. the way, like the way I kind of see any sort of how our body functions is kind of supporting from the physiologic basis of like making sure we have our baseline of what we need to create what we need neurotransmitters and, you know, detoxify like we're supposed to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. And it might need help. Like your body might need supplements to help it along the way because of different pre-existing or precursors that you have, who knows? And then kind of filling in the gaps above, you know, so me as a physical therapist, right, I'm going to fill in the gaps with movement impairment, or an occupational therapist is going to help with, you know, just fine motor control and speech therapist kind of working on, you know, pre speech, and then speech related, um, you know, communication, things like that. So it's, it's really, if you can think about things from this comprehensive manner, if it's mental health, working with psychiatrist, you know, mental health counselor, now we're creating this whole loop instead of just waiting for the symptom and then treating it, we can come Mm -hmm. underneath from the physiologic basis and actually like have that body doing what it's, it is capable of doing, which is so like, really, I mean, it's, I, I find all of this like really, really interesting and empowering. Um, because you as the patient or you as the parent or loved one or whoever it might be, like you can do something, right? Like the power is in your hands and you can test and retest and say, Hey, my lifestyle change created these changes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, I, I absolutely love it. Um, so when you do the testing, like what kind of testing do you choose to do? Yeah. So the, the, baseline of what I suggest for clients is to start with blood work. You know, we, as a dietitian, you know, we're assessing for nutrient deficiencies and, and this can actually give us some insight into gut imbalances, malabsorption, low stomach acid, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, this is, this is really essential for everybody. So, you know, if you're looking to improve your health, you should regularly be getting blood work done. 
How does my vitamin D look? Knowing that vitamin D is integral into every system of the body, hormones, gut health, you know, mood, immune function. Uh, how does my iron levels look? Am I malabsorbing iron, even though I'm not, you know, I'm eating red meats and fish and eggs on a regular basis. So getting basic blood work done, some of which isn't always included in your primary care visit, unfortunately. Um, and then we take it a step further and we say, okay, you know, you've been struggling with autoimmune disease or your son has autism, or, you know, you had a history of long antibiotic use. Let's do a GI map, a, a comprehensive DNA PCR stool analysis gives us a really great big picture. Yeast, we're looking at overgrowth, we're looking at intestinal permeability, immune function, reactivity to protein like gluten. Uh, we're also looking at parasites and uh, H. pylori overgrowth. So it's a, it's a very comprehensive test that I really love using in my practice. And then there might be other branches that we, you know, start to head down. Like if a patient, oh, I was living in a basement for two years and I think I might have mold toxicity or they might know, not know that, but that's a red flag for me you know, we might do hair mineral analysis testing to address their, their mineral status. So there, the, the baseline is the blood work. We might move into GI map, or I didn't mention, but like a SIBO test, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth is very common with patients, especially those who've been diagnosed with something like irritable bowel syndrome. And then we might, you know, veer off into hormones and mycotoxin mold testing and micronutrient testing. But those usually come after we've really looked at your diet. We've looked at your blood work. We maybe did a stool test and then, you know, assess how you're feeling after that. I was going to say with those tests, mm -hmm. you know, are you um, doing like one or two and then working and then adding more in, or is this something you do like all at the beginning? Well, beca because, you know, what we just talked about, how, all of the systems of the body are connected, right? You know, a lot of clients will be really eager to do, say, a hormone test. Maybe they have really heavy periods and, you know, they're they're like, oh, I really want to figure out what's going on. I'll usually tell them, hey, let's hold off because what we do with your diet, what we do with your gut health, what we do with addressing nutrient deficiencies is all going to improve your hormones, so why would we test it right off the bat, knowing that I'm looking at your whole health picture here and seeing that there's gaps that you're missing of ways to improve your hormones. So yes, there will usually be times when I try to be very conservative with testing in general, knowing that all the systems are connected. And as a practitioner who's been doing this for so long, I can usually tell you some of the things that we can implement without having testing. Stool is a little bit different. We can't just guess with stool. Um, you know, your symptoms can be very similar from candida to H. pylori to SIBO. You know, the, the hormone stuff, you know, that's just one example of where, you know, I'll typically wait till further down the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you think of like um, just the lifestyle, right? So, mm -hmm. and we think when we think lifestyle, that means it's not, it's not a diet. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of like going into this lifestyle change, where do you typically start with somebody? Like, it's like, they're like, 
they just met you, you know, mm -hmm. like what are some of those first, like, let's get like a little organized here, you know? Yeah. So usually we just start with, think of a big picture outline, you know, do you have any sort of schedule? Do you have any sort of routine? The body really likes routine. It really likes schedule. Are you eating regular meals throughout the day? Forget how, you know, air quote, perfect those meals are. Forget how nutrient dense they are. Are you just eating at regular intervals? Are you sleeping at least seven hours each night? You know, chances are not a lot of people are. They're sitting on their phones or their laptops late at night. I work with moms who are like, this is my only time, you know, like, so we start with those big picture things that aren't easy, but they are low hanging fruit for us that are typically lifestyle related. If a client comes to me drinking six cups of coffee a day, hey, let's move it down to five this week and then four the week after and then three. And so we're taking steps at which where that client is, I'm meeting them right there. There are clients that come to me who are like, I am, I'm doing the things, I am eating regular meals, I am drinking water, I am sleeping. Great, we can fast forward through that. But for the majority of people, sometimes they're just they're missing routine with their eating habits. They're just skipping breakfast every day or, you know, very erratic eating patterns. The gut does not like that. The gut likes routine. It has its own circadian rhythm. It's going to optimize motility when you're eating on a regular basis. If you're snacking all day, you're not really truly eating balanced meals. You're just mindlessly eating. That's also not good for your digestion. So we really work on those behaviors, which can make a huge difference. I can definitely attest to that because I, you know, when I was first working, it's like I would end up eating like really early in the morning. And then like I had this long stretch of time where I'm like treating patients, run, 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 run. And then I would like eat really fast at lunch so that I could like document, but like not get up and move a little bit and then do this like long stretch of time on a long day and then work out and then commute and then go home and eat. And it would just be like crash. I mean, just like could barely stand up like off the couch. I was so tired. And I'm like, it is eight o'clock at night. Like what is my problem? And so I worked a lot on like, what could this be? And then I realized I was like, duh, you know, like you're not like, you're not consistently feeding yourself. Like, like you need to have that breakfast and then like, don't just jam that lunch in at 1 PM. Like you gotta have something before that. And then that lunch doesn't need to be as big. Cause then it's like, you're kind of like, Oh, like for the first like bit of the afternoon, you're like, Oh, just like, I just ate, I'm not feeling the best. Like, you know, it's so once I kind of worked on that rhythm, then it's like, you know, like you're fine. Like your, your energy mm. levels are better. Like you don't have this crash after eating a dinner that was so late. And you know, it, it, it helped me a ton just without even changing food. Right. That wasn't even changing yeah. Yeah, no, I gave a corporate presentation last week and I showed them, you know, my typically what I see in my practice is if you picture a bar graph and the first half of the day, you see the lowest graph you know, bar on the graph and then it's slowly going up, 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 right? We, we need most of our energy in the first half of the day. And if we don't prioritize that, 
we're ravenous, exhausted, irritable, and then we don't sleep well, our digestion's not good because our largest meal is coming at the end of the day. So if we can just aim for more of a steady bar graph throughout the course of the day, and, and you know, you mentioned your lifestyle being sometimes a challenge, right? I work with a lot of people who they're teachers or, you know, physical therapists, and there's little things that we can do. You know, if you have 10 to 15 minutes to eat lunch and you want to optimize your digestion, let's focus on low volume nutrient dense meals. Let's not pack up a massive salad. Yeah. It's going to take you 30 minutes to chew down. It takes you know, too long to eat. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> I don't have time to eat a salad. That sounds crazy, but I don't, you know, yeah. too many mm -hmm. bites. Yeah. So you know, you've learned that you've learned yeah. that. So navigating those little barriers can be so, so helpful. For me, I found um, sleep affects me so much and in my eating. And I notice I eat so much healthier when I sleep well. Um, mm -hmm. And my body craves that healthy. And then when I sleep poorly, it's like all of a sudden it wants sugar and this and that. None of which helps me feel better because I'm already tired. But I definitely notice sleep really affects um, just kind of overall how I feel and what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. I second that very much. I'm very sensitive to sleep and I'm currently, I'm currently halfway through a pregnancy right now. And I'm like, okay, uh, what is that going to be like when this baby comes? I'm very concerned about sleep deprivation. Here you go. Oh, uh, I uh, definitely am in the middle of that. She's seven months and I will tell you this, at least for me, um, I got into a routine. And mm -hmm. while my sleep looks very different than it did pre-child, um, and Jess, you can attach, she has two of her own. Um, I do notice, like, if I get a good chunk, like, three, four hours, and then, you know, she wakes up, and I do much better. And I actually, it's a different, I don't feel as tired as if it was prior to pregnancy. Um, mm -hmm. It does kind of change a little bit. Um, and I, it it does get there. <laughs> You adjust, right? You adjust. Yes. You gotta yes. be flexible and working with what you can. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. I, and as you said, it's like creating a routine mm -hmm. um, that your body can, for me, it was creating something that my body can count on of like, okay, she goes to bed at once. I'm going to get this many hours of sleep before she wakes up, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think as long as with both kiddos, as long as I could get um, one three to four hour stretch interruption and then even if it was just an hour and a half or two hours I could still function like mm -hmm. not at my optimal but like mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was suffering mm -hmm. you know uh yeah. but I needed at least one three to four hour stretch okay. ideally you get two three to four hour stretches and it's like you feel like a million bucks, right? You know, yeah. so we were better with the second kiddo. He also mm -hmm. slept better um, of, of me getting those two stretches. And then my husband helping, you know, with the, you know, after 3 a.m. was kind of his like on time. Mm -hmm. um, and then he would kind of take care of that. And then I could sleep until maybe seven or so, you know, mm -hmm. I, would, I would be on until one or two in the morning. And then he was on starting at, you know, three because they were typically sleeping in that time we kind of had that, that rhythm, but 
then it just makes because you're talking about like then you want to lose the baby weight and all that kind of stuff and so it's like you're exhausted but then you don't feel like meal prepping and you know it's like you're it's it's hard like any transition time in life with sleep and food is it's like really 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 difficult and it has to be a priority um if it's if it's ever going to be a lifestyle change like Mm -hmm. it, it just you know Um, if it's not your priority and you're like, I'm going to put this on the back burner right now because I, because I feel, I feel like I can't make this a priority. Um, it, you, it, it, your life is going to be way more difficult. Right. I mean, yeah, that's such good advice. I mean, across the board, just like talking about how we prioritize certain things in life and where we invest our money and our time and our energy and, you know, everyone's entitled to make those choices and decide what they prioritize, you know, but at the end of the day, when you sit down and you say, you know, am I proud of where I've come and, and where I'm headed? And, and, you know, have I really set myself up for success? You know, we, we want to be able to say that, you know, we, we at least uh, focused on those areas and made sure that we were putting our, our health as one of those priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I do think it's just, it's common to, to like not put food as as a high part of value for mm-hmm. like life and and i think our, a lot of our society has, has taught us that food is something to be enjoyed and that's like as long as it tastes really really good uh then then that's what you're looking for and mm-hmm. that's been told to us via marketing and, you know, cultural norms of going out to eat and things like that, rather than food is how we let the outside in. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, right. We are like willingly, we have all of this protective barrier over our bodies, right. To protect us from the outside, but then food is how we let it in. And so making that choice of what we're letting in, it's like, I just think that should be more mindful. That's all. Mm -hmm. Um, not perfect. You know, like I am, I live in a glass house and I throw stones all day. Right. I mean, I've got shattered windows all over the place. I am imperfect in so many ways. I just, I just think if you are trying to like, think about that, it changes your grocery shopping. It changes your eating out. It changes how you raise kids. Um, everything, your lens is like so different, you know, instead of looking at it from here, you're looking at it from here and you just look at everything in a different way. Um, so, um, yeah, and it's and something that I'm I'm incredibly passionate about as a dietitian is that food can fuel your body and taste really good at the same time. Yeah, and I think we often overcomplicate that. Like I wrote a very simple cookbook that just breaks it down. Here are proteins. Here are vegetables. Here are carbohydrates, and then here are sauces. Right. I love, I'm a huge fan of like sauces to make things more fun, mixing coconut aminos with sunflower butter, or, um, you know, doing something with like a honey mustard dressing where you just put mustard, honey, and apple cider vinegar. Like there's so many ways that we can enhance the flavor of our food, herbs and spices, sauces, dressings, you know, mashing avocado into rice. Like there, there's so many ways to add flavor and make things, you know, more palatable, without sacrificing, you know, our goals of feeling better digestive wise and, and just optimizing our health. Yeah, that's awesome. I will definitely link all of your info in the episode description. And so that way, if anybody's interested in like that cookbook or learning more about you, like really as like, do you do like telehealth 
Yeah, it's all fully virtual. Yep, I do one-on-one coaching and I also have a group coaching program that's designed for women um, who are looking to optimize gut health and hormone balance. Oh, I love that. Um, So um, kind of our last question, we've talked about, you know, gut microbiome and, you know, gut brain connection, uh, lifestyle. Um, But when we're talking about supplements, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In this world of supplements, it can be very, uh, I think, uh, misunderstood. And I think the marketing can make it a little bit even harder to understand, you know, like the difference between even something as simple as like a probiotic and a prebiotic, right? Mm -hmm. And kind of how they function. Um, Can you explain that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think most people have heard of probiotics. Prebiotics may be less familiar to some, but the probiotics are basically live bacteria in their supplement form, you know, typically there's going to be a diversity of different strains of those different types of bacteria. And what's meant to happen when you take a probiotic is it's supposed to provide benefit to the host, the person that's taking it. So you're essentially putting these beneficial bacteria, live bacteria into your body, and they're doing something beneficial in your gut, hopefully. And there's different types of probiotics. There's yeast-based probiotics like a Saccharomyces boulardii. There's lacto-bifido blends, which are your kind of standard, what you see over the counter, you know, drugstore kind of probiotic. And then you see kind of the spore-based probiotics, which are soil-based probiotics. So I kind of like to break those into the different categories and help people understand you know, the lactobacillus bifido blends might not be a good choice for someone with SIBO or mast cell activation syndrome, you know, S. might be a better choice. So not all probiotics are created equal, I think is what I want to leave the listeners there. They're different. Yes. Yes. And then prebiotics, these are the food for the beneficial bacteria that should reside in our gut, but you could also take a combination pre and probiotic. It's absolutely not necessary. So prebiotics, you can find them in plenty of food sources. Chicory root um, is a supplement form, but we find it in banana, we find it in artichokes, asparagus, oats. These are all prebiotic rich foods that help to feed the beneficial bacteria and keep them alive. So prebiotic supplements can be a great choice for certain patients. Uh, but they're not always necessary. And if patients have an overgrowth in the gut, prebiotics can actually make you feel a lot worse. Yeah. So like really sometimes we can be doing something we think is helpful that actually isn't. And it's like, it, it, that's why I do think it's important to really work with somebody that understands this stuff to create the balance that's right for you. Cause it really isn't a one size fits all like everybody's physiology is different. I get daily messages on social media. Hey, Aaron, what are your thoughts on X supplement? What are your thoughts on X supplement? And it's, you know, in what context, in in who's the patient and what does their gut health look like and how many other supplements are they taking? You know, so it's, you know, these things, big picture, we see a lot of benefits in the research. We see a lot of benefits in practice, but to be able to say this is good for your gut. I mean, we don't know because we don't have any idea what's going. Fiber is supposedly great for your gut. It feeds bacteria. It keeps your gut lining nice and healthy. But if you have an overgrowth, fiber might make you feel a lot worse. So it's just important to understand that, you know, you're not going to 
usually find your individualized answer on social media that, you know, I'm not implying that you hire someone and spend thousands of dollars, but at least getting a consultation with someone where you can sit down and say, can you just take a look at what I'm doing and see if this even lines up? Because, you know, I've met with patients before who are just throwing everything at their gut and it's just, they're wasting so much time, money, and energy, which I also did myself in my own journey. And, you know, we want to simplify that for them. We want to see them do well. And ultimately it's hard to do that when you are just throwing things at it. I think the key is like individualized. Everyone's so different. So um, getting, having someone just look at you and uh, your blood, you know, your labs and your, you know, as you said, fecal sample and things like that, like getting all that checked out will really help you in the, head down the right path, basically. Yeah, I'm sure both of you too, as practitioners, you know, you, you probably address patients the same way. You know, there's certain things that you would do for one patient versus the other and something that would be helpful and not helpful for the other. It's just, if you see someone you know, talking about this diet or this supplement is good for everybody. Run. That's a right. run away. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like you can't make blanket statements like that if you're truly talking about health and wellness. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the other thing to point out is sometimes we feel like the financial barrier is too much to, um, you know, say like a console, it's going to be X number of dollars, right? The testing is going to be X number of dollars. Uh, I think, though, you kind of reframing what that cost looks like, because if you're doing things that are inefficient and are costing money, like you're buying supplements or, you know, trying different diets or foods or whatever might be going on, you might be spending money that isn't working for you. And so if you can get coordinated and it doesn't mean that you have these visits all the time, you know, oftentimes these visits are very spread out to give it time to work. So you test a theory and then see how it goes. Um, I think you can really use the financial aspect because that's what it comes down to. There is a financial aspect to it of maybe if I decrease how much I'm eating out, increase how much I'm eating at home and prepping in advance, willing to eat maybe the same thing more than once. So making a big batch of things. So now you've decreased the cost of what you're spending on food, save that money, and then you can actually invest in your health. So your total output of how much you're spending really doesn't have to change if you can do it in a coordinated fashion. And so there's there's ways that it, it can be figured out. It just uh, you know, I do understand the financial aspect of it. Not everybody is like, oh, let me just throw this extra however many dollars. Uh, so like re reworking those funds can be uh, a great way to do that. And that's a big thing what I, what I tell my patients when I'm like, I really think you should work with somebody to get this a little bit more under control. And they're like, there's no way I can afford that. I'm like, well, let's, let's talk about that. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, where else in your budget could, could move. Uh, and, and see if you can reallocate those funds over the course of two or three months. And then now you've got this amount that you can pay to reinvest in your health. I mean, you're only putting you first is, is really what it is. So I don't know if you have any other recommendations because that is a big barrier. If we think about it, it's a huge barrier that I think needs to be addressed and talked about. Um, and so that people will realize that this is actually accessible. Yeah, no. And, and, and I think it's, you're going to ruffle feathers, no matter what, when you say it, everyone's always going to have a, 
well, well, how could I do this? I'm a full-time mom and I'm working full-time. And so that's why I love to hear it from you because you are a mom, you know, Mm -hmm. you are someone who has, has a full-time job. So I think it's, you know, everyone can, can make efforts at least in some area, you know, no, we're not asking for perfection, but you know, when you start to tell people that it's, it's worth an investment, if they don't see it, then they're, they're likely just not ready to make that change. And that's okay. That, you know, that's, you know, no offense to anybody, but that's not the type of client that I want to work with because I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste their money. So if they're not ready to invest, they're not fully in it and willing to make adjustments, then they're probably not going to see the results that they want to see. You know, if I look at, I probably had tried at least 15 random supplements before actually paying for a practitioner. Let's say each of those supplements costs 40 bucks. That's $600. Mm -hmm. right? That's $600. That's less than the initial consultation that it would have cost for me to work with that functional dietitian at the time. So just to put that into perspective, like how much you can really add that up. I had a, I had a full box of supplements, just looked at it and said, none of this helped me. None of this helped me. Some of it even hurt me. And here I am $600 in the drain. So I think that's, that's great advice. And I've heard, I can't remember where I heard it, Dr. Joss, maybe we, someone had mentioned this, but either pay for like good health now, or you're going to be paying financially on the other end of um, doctor's visits, medicines, uh, hospitalizations, you know, later on your life. So you kind of can kind of also choose like, Hey, I know this may be financially a little bit more for me right now, but it's going to save me money in the long run. Mm-hmm. And quality of life in a way too. Yeah, absolutely. And Which time I... out of work, everything else. Yeah. I mean, like if you if you don't pay for wellness, you're going to pay for illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we could go into how, how broken our healthcare system is. Yeah, insurance <laughs> should be covering more things than just acupuncture. But but at the end of the day, like this is just where we're at. Like we can complain mm-hmm. about the system all we want, but it's broken, and uh, you know, I don't think <laughs> don't think anyone's fixing it anytime soon. So we we do have to advocate for ourselves. And and that was a very frustrating part of my own journey is like, I need to take control. I need to figure out like who's who I'm going to work with that I trust and, and what that's going to look like, because I know that my standard GI doc is not helping me out. So we unfortunately have a lot of responsibility to kind of take control of our health and, and really focus on that from a holistic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Going sometimes, uh, if you have to go outside of insurance because insurance won't cover what is, you know, necessary, uh, that's usually kind of how it works. And like, Mm -hmm. if, if we let insurance dictate how we take care of ourselves, then I think you're just under, underserving yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, I'm, I'm just not going to let my insurance company tell me what I, how I will take care of my health and my family's health. I just won't. And so some stuff is covered and some stuff isn't. And I, I don't you go to the person that isn't covered under my insurance and tell them how horrible they are. And that, you know, this is exactly like, this is like my insurance should cover everything, everything that is I ever need for my health. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's just not how it works. So part of it is our responsibility with our own individual budgets to make sure where we allocating our values. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really can be done 
like in a coordinated fashion that doesn't stress you out. You just have to make that plan. That's Mm -hmm. part of what we talked about in goal setting back in January is like goal setting includes financial goal setting and includes health and includes all sorts of other things. And so kind of looking at what, what, could that financial goal setting look like to make sure that my health values are inside of each of my goals? And, um, and then it's just, it's one thing that I hear all, I hear it every day from patients of like, well, would that be covered from my insurance? Otherwise I'm not going. I'm like, well, let's okay. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. like when you're ready to really truly look at this as something that can help you feel better with autoimmune arthritis, pain all over the body. I mean, you circle the body on the pain chart, right? They just circle the whole thing. You know, it's like, I can help with part of this, but this is, I'm not going to be comprehensive for you. Like you've got to be considering some of these other things. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I'm always referring out, go to a pelvic floor therapist, go do acupuncture, go see a chiropractor, work with a GI doc so we can get a colonoscopy, endoscopy. Like there's, there's so much that we can do as a team. And that is, I truly believe the optimal way to address it. There's only so much that we can do in our scope of practice where it's like, you know, there, there's a lot of areas that need support. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Aaron, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, like yeah, we love you. this topic. We love talking about nutrition. We are not nutritionists, which is why we kind of reach out to other people that Uh, know more than we do and lean on them for their information that they can share. And hopefully people will hear this and are in that stage of change of saying, maybe this is something that I could start thinking about. Maybe you Mm -hmm. don't even act on it right now, but arm yourself with knowledge and use that knowledge to then say, maybe how do I want to move forward or someone else in my life that I can support and share this information with them, share this episode with somebody that you think might, might find benefit from it. And so if we just keep spreading knowledge, like it, it will continue to grow and that mind shift change can happen. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Well, one of the, one of the messages that I'll leave listeners with, if they're looking for like a place to get started, if they're curious about, oh, I'm just realizing that gut health might be an issue for me and maybe it's connected to some of these things you know, start keeping some sort of food symptom lifestyle journal. And it, it doesn't have to be extensive, but just start logging, you know, generally what you're eating, not calorically, anything like that. Log what you're eating, the timing, also log the stress levels that you have, the amount of sleep that you got, your bowel movements, like start being your own practitioner. And then, you know, if there's a point where you're ready to move forward and work with somebody and, and dig deeper, you're already going to have made these connections. I have patients who come to me after filling out a food record and they're like, wow, after filling that out, that was pretty eye-opening. I realized, Hey, I'm not doing enough of this. I don't drink any water. I didn't have a bowel movement for four days. I didn't realize that that's not normal. That would be my best advice to the listeners is to just start there, you know, start getting to know your body a little bit more and then, you know, figure out where your next steps are going to be. But that's free. We can all do that. It does require some time. But that was a game changer for me and my gut healing journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, for me, too. I did the same thing. Once I could eat again and not throw up all the time, um, it it took me a long, long time to figure out what in the world I could eat, when I could eat, how often I could eat. It took a while and it wasn't until I finally committed to like doing a journal and just writing it down that I could start seeing like, 
well crud <laughs> like I am like totally messing up here and I feel much better when I do this over here and it seems so benign but it, for me it wasn't for my body it wasn't like I just can't eat that like I feel awful when I do and if I do it consecutively I just feel worse and worse and worse and so and you know people in your life are going to tell you that doesn't make any sense right like there's no reason how you know eating that's going to cause you to feel that bad and it's like how do they know are they <laughs> trained in this are they like an expert in like nutrition so like there's so many naysayers out there that will cause you to question yourself and you're like well i really think this is i'm pretty sure this is contributing and you got to you know just commit and say you know what like i can figure this out it's basic deductive reasoning right you're just looking for a trend amongst data and it's your data and it's how you're feeling. And if you're truly honest with filling that out, like the answer will pop out. And if it doesn't, you have that now to bring it to the practitioner who will be able to look through that and go, oh, boom, boom, boom. All right. I got your number. Right. Um, yeah. So. No more gaslighting in the field of, of health. I'm so sick of that. Like how many doctors would tell me it was all in my head and yep. this and that. And it's like, oh my gosh, the, the gaslighting that happens in the medical industry is just, it's why people typically don't get better. And they say, well, I must be crazy. And then they adopt that, you know, narrative for themselves and then they don't ever get better. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we could, we could do a whole episode on that. Oh, oh hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so great. I feel like, yeah. I was gonna say, I feel like that's something, especially after having her that I need to kind of go back and relook at is kind of eating and it's definitely changed a lot. Um, <laughs> little one has changed my life more than I could have ever imagined, but all for good. So yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. So stay tuned. We are still in the month of nutrition. So lots of good information coming out. And Erin, thank you again. Remember, all of her information is going to be in the episode description. So um, please reach out to her <laughs> if you feel like it's something that could be helpful for you or somebody else in your life. Awesome. Ladies, well, great talking with you. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank, thank you for you. listening to the episode today. If you would like to learn more about how Two Gals can support you, then join our Two Gals Insiders membership, which can be found at www.2-gals.com. Also, don't forget, follow us on social media. We're on Facebook as well as Instagram. Okay, everybody. Bye. Enjoy your week.